The coronavirus pandemic has greatly affected all industries across the globe. Businesses everywhere are facing several issues. Most people are hesitant to go out to make any kind of purchase unless it's absolutely essential. This hesitation amongst customers to go outside has begun to shift the focus of the nation towards e-commerce. E-commerce has become our saving grace in a way, as it allows people to stay at home and still purchase what they want and have it delivered to their doorstep. E-commerce is not just beneficial to the customers but also the traders and businesses. For starters, it eliminates the distance barrier. Consumers are no longer sticking to the shops that are nearby. Also, it is easier to advertise and disseminate information about products through online means. There are also no worries regarding the maintenance of a physical shopping space as all transactions take place online. But here lies the question. What does this shift towards e-commerce mean for traditional businesses? Can they adapt to the new normal of internet commerce and find success with it? Or will competition with already thriving online businesses become an obstacle they can't overcome? Hello everyone, you're listening to The Socially Desi Show, the podcast that motivates you to live, create and inspire. If this is your first time here, welcome. On our show, we discuss tips and strategies with our guest speakers on how to tackle problems related to personal growth, mental health, relationships, business and entrepreneurship and health and fitness. So hit that subscribe button and go check out our website at sociallydesi.com for more of such content. Today, I'm joined by Raghav Gupta. He is the director of e-commerce at the Rug Republic. Hello, Raghav. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Anurag. Great to be here. It's a pleasure to be hosting you on the show today, Raghav. So uh, to our audience who are not aware about you, uh, why don't you tell us about your professional background? Yes, definitely. So uh, I'm currently heading the e-commerce division of this company called the Rug Republic, which is a 31-year-old brand. And Mm -hmm. we are a brand that produces Indian handmade rugs. For the longest time, we were working only as an export company, but now we're making that move. Personally, I studied mathematics and economics from UCLA. Okay. And this is a family business of mine. So I've sort of been involved in it for as long as I can remember, really. (laughs) Now is when I have uh, taking uh, taking it upon me to sort of take the next step, mm-hmm. which, like you very eloquently put, is e-commerce, not just for me but for all businesses. So why e-commerce? Well, I think you know retail is retail is changing, and we must change with it. Mm-hmm. Like you said, um, people are afraid to go out. But I think even before the coronavirus, when people were not afraid. They didn't want to go out, right? Why would you want to go all the way to a shop when the shop can come to you? Right. So I think it was changing long before that, but this whole uh, pandemic thing has definitely been a catalyst. True, true. In that in that progression of things. And obviously that thing is bound to progress, you know, like everything changes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the age-old thing says the only constant is change. For the longest time, you know, especially in India, mm-hmm. e-commerce is still a new thing. Maybe even 15 years ago, you would not have thought of, you know, I'll just call for my groceries off the internet. So true. Yeah. But now I don't remember the last time I went out for groceries, you know. And with smartphones, everyone has a smartphone. I think India has a ridiculously high number of smartphones being used with wonderful apps and everything. So I think it's 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 not it's not really a choice matter for businesses to be on the internet anymore. I think if you're not on the internet, now you're falling behind, you know? So it's true. like 20 years ago, if as a business you were like, I only accept cash, I don't accept, accept credit cards. No one would shop with you. 
Yeah. And now that, you know, now that is, now the next progression is e-commerce. Now if you say I'm only at a store. And like you said, there's so many wonderful things that can be achieved by going online. Mm -hmm. The biggest one being reach. You know, I'm no longer confined to a city. If I have a store in Delhi, odds are my customers are only the people of Delhi. Yep. Now my customers are people of the world. You know, we already do business in over 90 countries in six continents. Mm -hmm. Goes without saying, there's no way I would have that reach with a physical store. Right. So true. But with an online thing, I am sure this is only the beginning of our reach. You know, there's 193 countries in the world. Correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. Yep. That still leaves 103 countries to go, and I'm sure we will reach them soon. All because of the e-commerce project. No, you are absolutely right. You know, uh, especially in India after the geo revolution, I guess uh, a lot many handsets, a lot many people got access to internet. And through that, you know, we saw the revolution of e-commerce, especially in India, to take the next step. And uh, right now, you know, as you rightly said, uh, it's really difficult to imagine our lives, especially people in the urban areas, to imagine their lives, you know, without the, uh, you know, need of using these apps, you know, be it Groffers or be, be it any other app when it comes to buying your groceries or, you know, apps like Piantra and all for buying your clothes. So it's it's really it has become like a a central and integral part of our lives and uh, this is something that we cannot ignore and this is what the episode is guys so people who are listening to us right now uh, thank you for joining in uh, to the socially desi show um, this episode is focused on uh, e-commerce it's focused on how traditional businesses are now transitioning uh, from uh, the brick and mortar uh, businesses to now being completely online. Uh, and, you know, especially with this whole pandemic, uh, Raghav, uh, you know, I'm sure you would agree with this, that a lot of brick and mortar businesses uh, faced a lot of uh, losses and uh, a few of them had to close down completely, like shut down. And uh, I guess e-commerce is something that can help these kind of businesses to actually reboot and uh, look forward to 2021. What do you think? Yes, definitely. Also, uh, keep in mind that as a country, we are still sort of on the slower internet connection side of the world. Yep. Right? The reach of internet, while it is there, I think 10 years from now, it will be a whole other thing. You know, internet speeds, access to the internet, how fast your websites load, 5G is about to be here as a common thing. And like you said, with geo, you know, it's become so cheap to have a smartphone. It's almost criminal not to have it (laughs) as long as you can afford one. Yep. So, yeah, I think we are at the, to people who are still not, who are still, um, who are still sort of contemplating the move. Mm-hmm. I don't think time is lost as, especially in India, we are, we are very much at the start of the internet revolution. You know, I think there's still a decade before we can come to the, the kind of proliferation of smartphones and the, and most importantly, the internet speed, yeah. you know, that the West has today, like a hundred Mbps kind of thing is Nothing special in the West, in America, in the Europe, but in India, I still, you know, like, oh my God, 100 Mbps, that's a phenomenon. Mm, yeah. So let's say five to 10 years from now, when everyone has 100 Mbps, instead of the 20 minute drive, you now have a 20 millisecond wait to get to the store. So true. So true. Rightly, rightly put forward. Uh, it's really interesting to see, you know, how these things will pan out uh, going forward into 2021 and beyond. 
And uh, to come back to your entrepreneurial journey, Raghav, uh, what were the initial challenges? Because like you uh, told our audience that you joined your family business and now you're uh, heading the e-commerce department and you're trying to bring everything online uh, for the Rug Republic and other businesses. So uh, what were the initial challenges for you uh, when you entered as a second generation uh, into your family business? So I think a big, big challenge that I would say literally every second generation party who enters their family business will face is sort of the the interaction with your employees. Mm -hmm. There will always be a feeling of, you know, he's just here because his dad's the boss. Mm. So you, it's, it's, it's really tough to sort of command that, um, that sense from the team that your team must feel that you deserve to be there, that you're a deserving leader. Mm -hmm. That is something that's just not going to come, you know, like if you have an employee who's been there for 30 years, like let's say I have some people who've been with us since the start of the company, since before I was born even. Mm -hmm. And then tomorrow you come there and you start giving them orders for anything. It can be anything. And I think that will always be a challenge. So one way, one small thing that I did at the right from the day one is, you know, obviously when you come in as 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 the boss's son or the boss's daughter, right. people bound people are bound to call you, you know, sir or ma'am. So right from day one, I told everyone, please don't call me Raghav, sir. Just Raghav is enough. Not because of any kind of guilt or any kind of anything. I feel like with due time and good work, yeah. the sir should come itself. And that's when they'll really mean it. Hmm. And I mean, you know, you don't have to worry about, it's not saying that I want to be called sir or I don't want to be called sir, but it's just good to be called it when people really mean it. It's easy to command fear when your dad's the boss. It's much harder to command respect. And, uh, you know, people calling you sir out of fear is useless because, you know, behind your back, they're going to say things anyway. Yeah. But even that doesn't really matter so much as much as, you are more bound to do good work with someone you respect or someone you think capable. So right? true, yeah. So let's say, and it may take a few years and it may take people some more time, some less time based on results. Mm -hmm. But eventually when they call you, sir, because you think that, because they, sorry, because they think that you are, sir, that is when you really sort of become a leader and not just, not just a leader by virtue of birth, but a leader by virtue of work. True, yeah. And I think another big challenge that people can face is interpersonal relationships with the first generation. Hmm. You know, like your father or mother or uncle or whoever was the first generation. It is important to strike the balance between taking your own decisions and their advice. Yeah. If you have to be an entrepreneur, you have to back yourself all the time. You know, if you're heading any kind of business, you're going to be taking a decision a minute, mm -hmm. if you're lucky, it's probably going to be a lot more on average. So you cannot always be waiting, ki, you know, I should ask him, I should ask her, I should ask mom, I should ask dad. You have to back yourself. And at times, you know, just because of your education or because of a generational gap, those decisions, you, you may very well know that that's not the decision my father or my mother or whoever was heading would have taken. Yeah. But I have knowledge, I have experience. And I have my reasons and I have studied them. I'm going to go ahead with this, even if it causes some disagreement. Mm. At the same time, it's very important to understand that, you know, there's no other teacher like experience. If the first generation has been handling something for three decades or two decades, then they sure know a hell of a lot of things. So you always have to be listening, at least even if not agreeing, 
you have to listen and you have really have to like sort of just absorb all that wisdom. Yep. Because that's what's really going to come. The other thing that comes to mind with interpersonal relationships is obviously when you work and I think when any two, so obviously I think any, any entrepreneur or anyone heading a business or starting their own thing is kind of an alpha, mm-hmm. you know, personality wise. And obviously if your first generation was handling the business, they are also an alpha. Yep. So when two alphas sort of meet in the same field, there's bound to be friction, right? Yep. And that's okay. Just as long as you consciously maintain times where you keep work aside and you are family, you know, because if, if you're talking about work all the time, then it can be tough sort of the lines between colleagues or boss and employee or like president and vice president yeah. can blur. Hmm. And it's very important that the work doesn't come in the way of the family and the family doesn't come in the way of work. So true. So when you are, when you are in the business mindset, then you take the best decisions, even if that is disagreement. And then every now and then, maybe like weekly, maybe on the weekend, you just like sort of put work aside and you eventually you are family, right? And it can be tough. You know, let's say if I had a fight with my dad at work, it's very important to not bring those things home. It's very important to compartmentalize and say, okay, that was a fight. It was based on this. We had a disagreement, different ideologies. That's fine. That was work. This is home. Yeah. So I think anyone who can master a balance between maintaining a business relationship and a personal relationship, which is obviously easier said than done, can really make good headways on both sides. Because you must remember that, you know, uh, and I'm sure as anyone who will do good work, tomorrow you will be the senior generation and your kids will be the junior generation. Yeah. And obviously you don't want like you don't want any friction between you and your kids, just like you don't want any friction between you and your father. But so it's important to not just be like, oh, I'm just going to agree to everything, both at home and at work, just so that there's no fighting. It's okay to fight as long as you can leave the office fights in the office and the work fights at work. You know, you can have, sorry, and the home fights at home. They can be fights at home also. It happens, you know, that's part of being a family. Yeah. But it's important to sort of not bring that fight to work. You know, just the opposite of what I said earlier. You cannot make making decisions because you're angry at someone. Yeah, yeah. I think so that that balance is essential to strike and anyone who can strike that balance or at least consciously work towards striking that balance, I'm sure they'll achieve it in due time. They can really benefit. Oh, that is absolutely true. You know, when it comes to maintaining that balance where you understand, you know, your personal life is different from what your life is in the office and uh, the dynamics change. Uh, And like you said, you know, when, when you have your father or, you know, your uh, senior generation who are who were handling the business before you and now you enter the business you know then you have those two alphas in the same room and you know both of you are fighting for that power you know that okay you know for you I'm sure you know you must be having a lot of um, uh, you know times when uh, you want your father to let go of things that you want to take over and then he would have some sort of a friction going on with you that okay you know let me do this let me do that so it's it's interesting uh, to see this dynamics of uh, you know, family business and second generation coming onto, uh, 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 you know, the business platform and then trying to make changes which are good for the business. And uh, this is where I guess the perfect combination of experience of the first generation and uh, the knowledge and, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the way you say, you know, they have seen the world in a different perspective. So the the experience and the new perspective when they 
combine and that combo is really really good for any business that's what i believe yes exactly so you know exact thing that people say to break the rules you must first master them yeah so i think you use your family and your first generation's experience to understand the rules and to master them and then you trust yourself to break them where necessary you know if 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 someone had come to anyone 30 years ago and said oh you know close down your shop sell it on the internet people would look at him like are you crazy <laughs> so but true. at some at some point you know at least there were there were there were a bunch of people who sort of took that leap who broke that rule yeah and they started a revolution and you know maybe maybe I, I I can't imagine an alternative to e-commerce, but I'm sure there might be one because you know, hundred years ago, no one could imagine e-commerce. Yep. So there will be times where you have to break those rules, but make sure you're not breaking rules without learning them. Is what I would say. So true. So true. Yeah, that is uh, absolutely hundred uh, percent correct when it comes to uh, doing anything. I mean, be it uh, you know maneuvering your business into a new direction or maybe starting a new business wing altogether. So uh, unless and until you know the rules, you have mastered the rules, you can't really understand what to change or what to bring in. So, uh, so my next question to you is: uh, When you took this new direction, I'm sure uh, this, uh, you know, you would have been in talks with your family about the whole uh, transition of, uh, you know, the retail to e-commerce. So, when you took this new direction for uh, the Rug Republic, uh, what were the initial challenges that you really faced uh, within the business? I think uh, the challenges were twofold. Of course, moving on to e-commerce has technology-related challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you start your online advertising, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think for businesses like ours, who are moving from B to B, business to business, to a business to consumer model, while not moving, let's say, are sort of also including a business to consumer model, it can often be tough to sort of get the get the people used to. You know, like anyone who is in the B to B field will understand this very very well. That is very different to ship out um, bulk orders versus a single piece. Yeah, you know, and that that is a big challenge. You may realize it, you know, but as as a team, you, you're not the business. You know, you are only a a figurehead of the business. The business only works when the whole team, which is a hundreds of people, they work. So yep. it is often challenging to sort of move on to this whole send one piece order versus send one container of things, right? And of course, the traditional challenges with e-commerce come is uh, making your website, optimizing your website. You know, it's it's funny. I was reading the stat that beyond three and a half seconds of loading time of your website, around thirty percent of your consumers leave. Hmm, yeah. And when you make a website, you're like, yeah, you know, three and a half seconds. Come on. But then, <laughs> when you are shopping online and something doesn't load for five seconds, you yourself leave. You know, like people don't even have. Or people don't even want to spend five seconds anymore. Yeah. So those things are challenging. Those things are challenging. And even more so challenging in India because that mentality of five, seven seconds is the same, but the internet speeds are not there. So true. Yeah. So as such, the the the, the internet backend is not strong enough, but the attention span. And I think yeah, that holds true for me also with Instagram and Facebook and all these things you are getting fed so much content. You know, Instagram, you can keep swiping and swiping and swiping and you'll keep getting new content, right? So you are so used to being fed new content every second that you're not willing to wait 
like i said even 5 second you know sorry i have i have 20 other websites yeah i think the 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 big the big big challenges for starting websites are these like the the, the technological back end and search engine optimization and things like those which we are also facing we are fighting it but you know like you said it's a new direction and uh, rugs aren't the first thing that you think of when you say online shopping hmm. today also you know a lot of people sort of write to us saying you know can i touch and feel the rug somewhere do you have a store but i think uh, with technology things like augmented reality etc cetera, etc cetera, and and of course great customer service mm-hmm. buying rugs online and buying anything online should be a breeze very soon yeah so uh, you know talking about rugs uh, tell us uh, tell us about the usp of the rug republic you know to our audience so the rug republic has always been lauded sort of or rather the parent company studio sharda mm-hmm. which is the, uh, the the original company out of which the rug republic was born has always been lauded and really appraised for the really praised for their designs for their design work but to me that is not the usp of our business Mm-hmm. you know we have this we have this small belief that has been going on for a long time that our success means nothing if it doesn't uplift everyone around us right or everything you know everyone and everything so with that in mind the rug republic is always very very conscious about the environment about the people mm-hmm. we now support around 5000 families through our factories our main factory which is in merat is largely solar panel we are actually the only indian uh, brand of rugs that has the grs the global recycle standard certificate okay and we are recycling denim and silk and cotton and even actually the the, the plastic bottles mm-hmm. you know so about 300 plastic bottles go into making one of the small rugs the okay 4x6 feet rugs mm-hmm. and i think over the past 5 years we've recycled around 10000 tons worth of plastic bottles wow interesting yeah and also on the side as a part of the the sharda initiative we also do a lot of uh, social work such as um, one is led by my grandfather where we promise to build 500 new toilets in homes mm-hmm. in the villages surrounding our factories every year and that's been going on for a few years now so i think our usp really is that uh, we move forward with everyone and for that we don't compromise on price we are still competitively priced we are still great designs but it is not just a family that is at the top and making money like a lot of businesses right it's really that everyone grows together and i think that is what makes the rug republic so different and so special really interesting raghav and uh, to our audience who are listening to us uh, we'll put down a youtube link uh, in the show notes below definitely check that out uh, it's a very interesting uh, video uh, you'll see how the sharda foundation uh, has been you know in works uh, like raghav uh, told you about the 500 toilets that they were planning to uh, do for uh, you know around merit city so that video will you know give you a lot of insights on uh, how the sharda foundation and uh, the company is working towards uplifting uh each and every one in the society and it's really great to see uh, that uh, you know your company your parent company and the rug republic are actually working uh, towards the uplift uh, upliftment of the uh, workers as well as you know the people in the villages so that's that's really really uh, good to see so uh, that thank you that's that's really nice raghav and uh, currently like you said you know you are uh, currently working in uh, 90 countries Uh, across six continents and as well as you have uh, so b2b uh, was something that you were focused on majorly and now you have uh, you know uh, 
also focused on B2C now with the Ruck Republic. So how do you see uh, this whole new perspective now in the business, like especially for uh, other, uh, you know, family uh, owned businesses also? Uh, What are the few challenges that you see? Uh, You you have already spoken about it, but I would like to get into detail about when it comes to shipping one container versus shipping one product. So when that mentality comes in, uh, how do you uh, basically, you know, mend your ways or try to find a perspective uh, as to, you know, that, okay, let's do B2C because B2C is also very important these days. So I think it's important to look at it in this way. India has been a country where lots of production because of resources, because of cheap labor for whatever reason. And the Western bigger brands were buying from us and selling there at 10x prices, Mm -hmm. 20x prices, even more at times, right? Right. And maybe for a long time, it was not so feasible to do B2C in India because, you know, as a country between the internet connection and sort of like, you know, how like sort of as compared to the US the spending habits, they were not so sustainable to selling. You know, you're selling costs. Obviously, there's costs to selling B2C, right? Which are more than selling, but as a percentage, more than selling B2B. Yep. So eventually, you would see that it was not so possible because making stores is a headache. And websites and e-commerce was not that developed. But I think now not only are spending habits changing, but also our access to technology. So you have to understand that it's very important to be cognizant of the of the, of the changing environment. Hmm. You know, we are not in the time where India may, like in India, no one's using the internet or in India, no one trusts e-commerce. You know, obviously at the start, no matter where it started, there was an inherent mistrust, you know, I don't know what will come. I don't know when it will come. What if it's damaged? But those things are changing. So you have to sort of be cognizant and uh, just leap. You have to take a leap of faith. With anything, with any new ideas, with any new ventures, you have to take a a leap of faith. And at times that also means biting first and then learning how to chew it. Yeah. Right. And I think it's also important to understand, you know, people who are used to sort of shipping large orders, shipping containers, yeah, they are not used to saying, "Oh, I sold, you know, sold something for two thousand rupees today, five thousand. <laughs> they are used to ten lakhs, twenty yeah. lakhs. But it's important to understand, like, sort of the the the, the longer term game. You know, you're going to sell a hundred of the two, ten, fifteen thousand rupee things as you would have sold one of the fifteen lakhs. Yeah, right. And now you are suddenly reaching a lot more people. See. For the producers, for the production people, India was an untapped market. Whatever you're producing, you send outside. And obviously, they sell their own stuff there. But now you have 1.3, more than 1.3 billion new people to sell things to. So true, yeah. And of course, there's also international e-commerce, which obviously can be a little complicated to set up. In due time, that can also happen. But I would always recommend for people who are just starting out, focus on India there's lots to do here and in due time you will know you will know when it's when the, when it's the time to uh, take the next step see it's always tough to it's always much tougher to take the first step than it is to take the next step mm-hmm. right so you back yourself you take the first step and the next steps follow so true yeah and uh, guys very interesting information for you and uh, exciting news uh, that uh, the Rug Republic has also taken a leap of faith with us, and <laughs> they have uh, they have been gracious enough to uh, uh, sponsor a giveaway 
uh, with the socially desi show so uh, you know i would like raghav to tell our audience about what exactly is the giveaway and then i will tell you how to enter the giveaway so uh, we've created this very award winning beautiful poof mm-hmm. which is like a square kind of stool which is made of you know those labels the brown colored labels you have on back of of the back of jeans yeah so we have one made out of actual labels recycled labels it's 100% recycled it's a very beautiful poof made out of those which is great for any kind of setting and it's super stylish super durable and i'm sure you guys are going to love it it looks absolutely fantastic i mean when i looked at the design when i looked at the product i mean i was floored i was like wow this is something that you know needs to be at the centerpiece of my living room <laughs> very very interesting so uh, guys uh, this is how you enter the giveaway it's very simple uh, go down to sociallydesi.com/giveaway uh, you'll see all the details there all you need is just your email address enter the giveaway and there will be a lot many things that you can actually do to get bonus entries so don't forget to check out sociallydesi.com/giveaway for this uh, particular uh, poof uh, and i'm sure you'll love it uh, the images and all will be there on the website as well as on our instagram page so don't forget uh, to check us out there as well uh, so thank you ragav again thank you the rag republic for uh, sponsoring this giveaway with the socially desi show it's our pleasure definitely So uh coming uh, down to uh, the uh, main idea of uh, today's episode where uh, we would like uh, Raghav to actually uh, tell us uh, a few uh, tips uh, maybe share a few do's and don'ts with uh, young entrepreneurs like me and you know there are so many other entrepreneurs out there who would be listening to us um Raghav tell us uh, you know what are the do's and don'ts when somebody uh, like a second generation or a third generation enters a family business I think a big do would be to not be shy about using their resources whether that be physical resources monetary resources anything it's very natural and it's a very very understandable feeling that everything should be done by me and I should just sort of from scratch and self made man and but when you are running a business it's important to be um to be rational and to be mathematical mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of people who are who are sort of married to the idea yeah that no it has to be me and has to be all me that need not be you know if you have if you have funds or if you have resources or if you have even wisdom lots of people end up making the mistake that they, they don't just they just don't talk to the elder generation you know sort of because they have to be like no I have to prove myself mm. and i think that can be well it can work out sometimes but overall from the point of view of running a business be rational be mathematical use the resources that you're lucky enough to have a big don't i would say is um i know a lot of people who just sort of come in from day one and they want to outshine the first generation hmm. they forget that the first generation is where it was today after decades of work True. you know and and obviously you know everyone wants to do better and every and and i'm sure with hard work everyone will do better but it's important to sort of um, look at it not like a t20 but like a test match where you have to build you have to build your inning you have to get in hmm. don't no 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 one succeeds like trying to smack from ball one and you don't need to you know you don't have to do or you don't have to outdo in year one what has been done 30 years true right you have true. to always understand processes and sort of take your time and like we said before learn the rules and then break them 
So true. Yeah, it's really important to take your time. Uh, and uh, like you said, I completely agree with this idea that somebody who enters the business uh, like a second generation or a third generation, uh, this is like, you know, they get very impatient. And they just want to get results from day one. And that, that is where most of us are setting ourselves for failure directly. And uh, and that's that's where, you know, your, uh, uh, you know, the first generation people, your family would look at you and they'll say, you know, what's wrong with him? I mean, wh- why is he doing or why is she doing like this? I mean, they have time, you know, you have time. So uh, building it in the right way and uh, taking your business forward is something that you really need to understand. Uh, so I completely agree with this idea. So th- this was something regarding family businesses. Uh, what about uh, people who are starting from scratch? Uh, what sort of things that uh, they should do and don't? So I think obviously the big do is to back yourself, but that is something everyone will say. The one thing I think most people don't do is talk to others about their ideas. Everyone I hear who's doing anything in the startup phase, or not everyone, but a majority of people are scared that if they if if I share my idea, someone will steal it, mm. right? They forget the fact that they have spent hours and days and months of blood, sweat, and tears to sort of get where they are. You know, developing yep. an idea even to a first stage is not easy, and the number of people, especially your family and friends and your mentors, who will actually steal an idea is so small. As compared to the advice you will get, it may be bad advice. Yeah. But I would say on, at a startup stage, there's no advice is bad advice. Hmm. Everyone will, will give you a different angle. Everyone will give you a different viewpoint of things about your product. So don't hesitate to discuss your ideas. Don't be worried that someone will steal them. No one steals ideas. It takes a lot of work to steal ideas. And yeah, like I said, no, no one steals anyone's ideas. No one has the time or most people actually don't have the determination. True. You don't need to worry. But yes, people, even if people give unsolicited advice, take it, you know, there's no bad advice when you're starting a business, basically. So true. And a a big don't, I would say, is sort of uh, be prudent about dipping into personal piggy banks for business expenses. Mm -hmm. I see some people, you know, who are are fortunate enough to have some good, good amount of savings, a good amount of resources. They just kind of just start to just like try investing in the best. I'll get the best people. I'll get the best ad agency. I'll get the best uh, brand management, whatever, without really looking at the sustainability of the business. Yeah. You always have to look at any business that you're starting. Obviously, this is besides the startup capital. You always need startup capital. But moving on, it's important to think about sustainability at every step, Hmm. right? It's important to think of it in a way that, you know, if my personal bank account didn't even exist or my family's resources didn't even exist, is my business sustainable? True. You know? Because, yeah, I mean, I see a lot of people make this mistake, especially the ones who have too much money of using. And I think even a lot of people who manage to raise a lot of money, you know, it's it's not easy having a lot of money as a business, I would say. yeah, It can get very, very overwhelming because... You know, you have a pressure to sort of end up using it and then you try, then you end up doing stupid things with it, right? True, true. Like, yeah, so it's very, just think about sustainability as a business at every step. You know, is my business, I would say beyond startup capital, try to sustain within your own revenues. I understand that's not possible for every business at every stage. Actually, it's not possible for any business at every single stage. But over a long time, if you are, if you are comprehensive or if you're aware about that okay, whatever I'm doing is sustaining itself, mm-hmm. then you are just 
lot more set up to take that big catapult so true yeah i mean i i speak to a lot of people and uh, this is you know in fact uh, this is one of the big issues that i see with a lot of young entrepreneurs who are starting from scratch and who don't have any uh, business background to back up uh, so what they do is you know uh, they'll put all their savings in uh, they will just put in the uh, capital that is required but there's no uh, you know uh, operational costs are not taken care of and then uh, six months down the line opening their businesses they realize that they don't have money to sustain and uh, that's why you know we see 99% of businesses fail in the first year of their operations uh, so it's really important uh, when it comes to your funds management and doing the right kind of research actually uh, when it comes to uh, finding what the 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 right fit is for your product or service in the market as well as maintaining that fund uh which is required not just your capital because i mean uh, raghav uh, uh, you know you, i i'm sure you would have seen this as well i see a lot of people when they want to start their own business or maybe let's say startup uh they would you know go ahead go around and see you know what's the office that they would uh rent out and you know they'll spend loads and loads of money on the offices rather than working from home and spending on you know unnecessary things which are not actually required for your business yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. and that is where they they set themselves themselves up for a, a, a big loss yeah and i think also when people are conceptualizing businesses i think uh, it's important to go beyond the internet when you're researching a product let's mm-hmm. say you are making you're planning to make a new beer for example mm-hmm. it's not enough to look at customer reviews of competitive beers just go out there go taste it you yep. know if you want to start a travel company spend some money go on a trip with your competitors travel company understand their strengths incorporate them and exploit their weaknesses yep. you know the internet will not tell you as much as it will, as much as actually going out there and doing it will and i understand the internet has a wealth of information which is great when you're making the decision of which beer to buy but then when you're making your own beer you're making your own product then go out there go down to the streets go down to the market actually talk to the shopkeepers talk to the people you know how do you like it how much does it sell and then taste it you know see why something sells or why something doesn't sell yep so true and i think on the topic of fund management uh, i would say that uh, always be cognizant of alternative uses of money hmm. you know money that is used let's say you are hiring some big ceo at some multiple lakh ctc then always understand okay where else can these multiple lakhs be spent yeah you know, or if you are advertising in one publication for x rupees and then another publication i always just be like okay what else can i do with this money it can very it can it can get easy it can be very easy to fall into the trap of this traditional way that okay i get good management i get good mm. uh, advertising i get into uh, the biggest magazines the biggest instagram channels and my business works i don't think so i think that um, and it may be maybe all i'm saying is always keep thinking you know it's an entrepreneur's job to keep thinking even when you're sleeping even if when you're on holiday just try not to shut your brain off anytime yeah always there's inspiration everywhere there's ideas everywhere there's lessons everywhere that's true so always keep evaluating your alternatives mean and when you finally come to a decision then back your decision be yeah. sure that okay you know i i i saw all aspects of it but now i back it so don't forget to see all aspects but also don't get stuck in the trap it could have been like this it could have been like that no you take an informed choice and you stick by it 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, a lot of us we get into this trap of uh, you know trying to make everything perfect, and uh, that is where we lose a lot of time, we lose a lot of resources, money. You know, everything goes for a toss. So I believe uh, you know you have said it very uh, straightforward that uh, once you make up your mind, once you have something in mind, just you know try to execute that first. And I'm sure even if you fail at something, you'll at least learn. That experience will be priceless. and that is really important in uh, today's time where people are uh, you know uh, just fighting or uh, you know thriving for uh, perfection uh, i guess uh, uh, being being uh, a good executioner is uh, more important yes and obviously you know the cliched line don't be afraid to be wrong hmm. you know never risk something that you can't lose don't risk your entire business on one decision and be okay with the fact that you'll be wrong you know don't don't evaluate things in retrospect that's yeah. very important you know i i also i'm very active in the stock markets mm-hmm. and it can be easy on the trap you know you thought something you did your research you did your technicals your fundamentals and you thought okay this will happen and this doesn't happen and it's very easy to start thinking oh man what if i didn't do it oh man what if i didn't lose it no you have to sort of just be okay that just just know that in the moment with the information you had you made the best possible choice and when things started to go wrong you you sort of you got out of it you know no matter what you're doing i think the minute you stop expecting and start hoping that's when you know you have to get out no matter what it is hmm. stop hoping for things expect them based on research based on trends based on something but the minute you sign yeah oh i really hope this happens today the minute you start using the word hope you have to get out of it <laughs> true 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 so you know uh, talking about hope uh, you know a lot of the entrepreneurs they hope to make sales quickly and um, what are your uh, views on that and what sort of advice would you like to give when it comes to marketing and sales uh, for a new business or a family business you know entering uh, the e-commerce era i think a big don't according to me is is like it not don't give in to online marketing fads mm-hmm. there's this new phrase that is going around on instagram well, it's not that new anymore it was new maybe some years ago called a collaboration yeah where someone with 20000 30000 ranging on to millions of followers will sort of reach out to you or you will reach out to them and they'll basically you send a product for free and they will sort of just put a post about it mm. which is great which is great but it's very easy and i i actually see people who just end up giving a free product to everyone and yeah. you know any business can sustain some free product that's not the point point is like i said earlier think of alternate uses you must really think that okay is that influencer of the of the image and of the vibe that i want to communicate True. you know mm. if you are a publishing house then maybe a fashion supermodel is not the best as opposed to you know someone more academic or someone you know someone more um of a, what do you call it just of a more polished uh, well no polished is the wrong word but i think you get my point yeah so always understand and don't don't just be worried about you know if everyone else is giving products to the influencers i must also i'm not saying don't give it pick your influencers pick the people who communicate what you want communicated about your brand yeah you know everyone and anyone who's active on instagram they will know that they follow certain people certain pages for certain kind of information true you know yes. they if i'm looking at a models page it's not to learn about books 
<laughs> true. Yeah. Maybe it's to learn about fashions. If you're a fashion brand, you want to go for those people. True. Right? Yeah. If you're a food brand, then you want to go for different kind of people. And a big do, I would say, is spend on online advertising. It can get expensive at first. Definitely mm-hmm. things like Google Ads and all, they're not cheap. But I think the level of targeting that they let you do, you know, it really helps you reach to exactly who wants your things. Yeah. And that's worth paying the monies, mm-hmm. you know. They even, at times, you will realize that they are even more uh, expensive than getting printed in a big magazine, you know? True, true. But that's okay because in a big magazine, you don't control who reads you. You have a general idea, okay, you know, if it's India today, these kind of people are reading it. Yeah. But with Google Ads, you can really say, you know, this person was looking for a rug and now they have an ad for a rug, you know? Yep. So spend, spend, spend on your online advertising Spend, don't give in to fads. Those are two things that I would advise to everyone who's sort of starting out on their e-commerce. And I think people will learn it soon enough themselves. You know, even if someone starts out, they will see that a few lakh rupees or a few thousand rupees or any amount of money spent on on, on targeted advertising, whether that be social media or, or the search engines, they give it gives returns in no time. Yeah, that's completely true. And uh, when it comes to influencer marketing also, a lot of people, they fall down to that rabbit hole and they don't really understand. Like you said, you know, they don't understand what their audience is. So uh, first, it's really important uh, to everyone listening out there. Uh, Guys, please understand that uh, any influencer that you tap into or uh, connect, uh, make sure that that influencer, uh, you know, has the same niche as your own uh, product or service. So uh, like Raghav said, you know, if you are a food brand, you won't go to a fashion uh, designer, right? Or uh, somebody who's a bikini model as, 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 you know, simple as that. Uh, So make sure that uh, the kind of product and service that you are targeting and you are trying to sell, uh, make sure uh, the influencers or whatever collaboration you are planning to do on social media, uh, that person is really, uh, you know, uh, uh, from that niche itself because otherwise it's just you know spending money and you know there they will not be any returns because their uh, you know matrix will mean nothing to you because at the end of the day there will not be any ROI so it's really important that you yeah it's it's uh, yes I think a great and it's a very small quick exercise you can do is you list out I don't know any let's say five five brands okay and you just close your eyes and you say their name Okay, let's say I close my eyes and say Gucci. Hmm. What comes to my mind? Luxury, high fashion. You know, I close my eyes, I say Mahindra. What comes? Generational reliability. So you do these things for five brands. You close your eyes, you write down their names and then you write the first five words that came to your mind. It gives you perspective and then you sort of try to write down the five words that you want people to think of when they think of your brand. You know, like let's say for my brand, I want people to think green sustainable stylish Hmm. and then see the people who are promoting those kind of things you know and all your content should be geared towards everything must have a plan yeah everything must have an end goal true true and uh, the biggest influencer is your customer at the end of the day make one customer that's your biggest influencer and if that customer is a happy customer then he's gonna be uh, somebody who's gonna take your brand to a next level so at the end of the day your influencers are your customers. So make, you know, good customers, make happy customers. Absolutely. And I think especially on the point of um, family businesses, the generational businesses, Mm -hmm. many of the people who, when they come in, they already have teams, you know, marketing teams and sales teams and all because the business has been going on. 
So that is something that can be both good and bad. Obviously, it's good because you have a lot of support. But I think at the same time, it's important to talk to your customer yourself. You know, I make it a point to talk to, if not, if not more, though I talk to more, if I, but at least three a week. Hmm. I'll talk to them personally. It can be answering queries on the website. It can be taking a call. It can just be taking, you know, just calling up a customer saying, how was your product? How did you like it? Not because you need to do it. You have maybe like the startup people, maybe they don't have the big team, but the family businesses often do. But even then, you know, ultimately you are the decision maker of your startup or your family business. So it's important that you personally know what the customer looks for and what they want. Yep. And the only really, the only real way of finding that out is by talking to them directly. You know, because you you can ask your sales team or oh, what did the customers think and that'll, there'll always be a case of Chinese whispers. So take out 15 minutes a day or even actually 15 is a lot. Take out five minutes a day, ring up a customer, text a customer or if there's a query on your website, on your email or the company email, answer it. Yeah. Take up that conversation. It is invaluable. You will not learn more than you will anywhere. You will learn more than you will anywhere. My apologies. No, that's absolutely true. And I like the way that the Rug Republic have uh, implemented their, uh, you know, homepage and especially the chatbot that you have implemented. Uh, that's a very simple and, uh, you know, clever idea of getting uh, insights into your customer's mind. Because when you see a chatbot, the first thing is like the customer would definitely have some sort of a question. And that is like a very good, uh, uh, you know, opportunity for uh, you uh, to tap into the customer and see what exactly are they looking at. Yeah, you know, funny story, actually, if, if if anyone comes to the website at like night at like 12 o'clock when like obviously the employees have gone home and all, then I'm I'm active on the chatbot. <laughs> so the, you shouldn't have an ego that I'm the boss. Yeah. I shouldn't do customer care. Nothing like it. Go on the chatbot. You know, it's nothing. It's alive. You know, someone sends a question, answer it. Talk to them. Understand. You will know what people are looking for. True, true. You will know what kind of products you're lacking, what kind of products they want. So when you when you roll out new stuff, you can capitalize on the things that are already popular and you can change the things that are not. Absolutely. So uh, before we wrap up the episode, uh, Raghav, um, your final thoughts on uh, taking traditional businesses online, uh, especially in 2021 and beyond? I think there's a couple of challenges. Mm -hmm. One of them is that a lot of customers have unrealistic expectations these days. You know, it's like, People like Amazon, just by virtue of their size, have really managed to cut down delivery times. Yep. You know, and that that's brilliant. And I, as a consumer, take advantage of it all the time. But I, as a seller, also struggle with it. Because, you know, I have people writing to me less than 24 hours after ordering, saying, where's my order? Mm. Right? Yeah. And I'm sure anyone who's doing an e-commerce thing faces this problem. So that is a bit of a challenge. But you have to sort of um, market yourself in a way that, you know, I am who I am and good things come to those who wait. Not saying take two months to deliver an order, but sort of don't don't be bogged down that if Amazon is giving you 48-hour delivery, then I also need to. A, you won't be able to, most likely, no matter how hard you try. Yeah. And you'll kill yourself under the pressure. It'll just be like, how do I do it? How do I do it? You keep pushing production, you have quality defects. So don't try to be Amazon. You're not going to be, Right. Maybe one day you will. And I hope to everyone listening to this, maybe one day they all of them are of Amazon size. But until you're not, don't try to be them. You know? And one more thing, I think a big challenge is returns. Every customer sort of feels, um, you know, we can always return anything, anytime. I think all of us as customers have returned things. Hmm. Yeah. As again, you know, 
bigger players i think there was an article in one of the bigger business related publications about how everything that is returned by an amazon or alibaba or anything ends up actually in the wasteland and that's the only way they can really sustain because as any business owner will tell you taking a return has a lot of logistics cost you know it has to come in it has to be expect inspected it has to be repacked re-readied for sale true right so these guys just throw it away obviously as a starting point you cannot throw things away you know your your inventory will run out your costs go up so i think it's okay to have a rational return policy whereby you know you're not like oh i'll never take returns but it also like you know it's not free to return for no reason at all hmm. buyers remorse i think it's okay as a startup or as, especially when you trust your product yeah when you're doing good work when you're making good things then buyers remorse can be charged i don't think there's anything wrong in that true true and there are uh, a lot of things that you can do as a business to make sure that the uh, the the buying experience is so uh, you know robust that uh, the customer doesn't feel like returning a product exactly exactly i mean you know always be ready to accept your mistakes hmm. if you've made a mistake from your end don't stand by it that i've made no mistake and i'm not going to take a return yeah accept your mistakes at the same time where you have not made a mistake then i think it's it's okay to not be bogged down by this whole system of easy returns and i think customers also understand it i i've been doing this for a while now and i don't think i've ever met a customer who feels entitled to return for no reason and expected to be free hmm. you know most customers who sort of obviously when the when the and it's okay to be at fault every now and then you know manufacturing mistakes happen and at that time we are also very happy to return at our own cost but you know if a customer uh, who just didn't like the product you know i thought it would be different and i didn't like it so much it's not setting in my home they are always okay to pay return costs things like that you know return shipping costs and those things so i think it's okay to have a return policy that suits you hmm. rather than just having the most flexible return policy around so true absolutely so uh, guys uh, remember the giveaway uh, is live uh go check out the website at socialidesi.com/giveaway to enter the giveaway and uh, of course uh, go out and check out the rugrepublic.in uh you'll see a lot of good products out there uh, there are trends of 2020 that you can actually look at there's a lot of uh, knowledge base that they have actually shared around rugs so please go and check that out because we as indians you know we buy something and we never look at you know how to maintain that so uh, i i really like the knowledge section there so guys definitely check out uh, the rugrepublic.in as well as their instagram page go check out their instagram page we'll put down all the links uh, that we have discussed about in the show in the show notes below as well as on uh, the socially desi uh, website so definitely go check that out and with that uh, raghav thank you very much for being on the show today you have been an absolute pleasure thank you anurag likewise really enjoyed being here so that wraps it up for today folks if you like the episode give it a big thumbs up share it with your friends and let's go viral Remember our weekly podcast features episodes on personal growth, mental health, relationships, business and entrepreneurship and health and fitness. We would love to have Raghav on our show again in the future to discuss more about the Ragri Public and entrepreneurship in general. So if you haven't yet done so, hit that subscribe button and go check out our website at socialidesi.com. And as always, before I sign off, remember, life is black and white and everything in between.